0: Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter seven, please. It's on page 219 in the pew Bibles, and we're going to get there in just a few moments. Um, last week we handed out a sheet, by the way, uh, an information sheet, which was we're trying to uh, make sure that our database is accurate. And we actually uh, kind of are switching databases. So we actually need everybody to fill out the form that we passed out last week. There are some at the Connection Center, and we'd love to have you do that afterward. But if you want to raise your hand right now, Bud has some, and he could pass those out. If you didn't fill one of these forms out last week, we really need everybody to fill it out. And again, if you think to yourself, well, I already know they have my information. Please fill it out anyway, because we're not sure we have all your information in our computer the way we want. So we'd love for you to do that. Thank you very much. The relationship that uh, Robin and I have with our children has changed as both they and we have gotten older. For example, they are less dependent on us than they used to be. Gradually, they became able to feed themselves. Gradually, they became able to dress themselves and even provide for themselves clothes. Eventually, we stopped changing their diapers. Uh, My oldest son is uh, 30, I think, this year, and uh, we don't change his diaper anymore. For those of you with little boys, however, I want you to know that they can be potty trained. It will still take some time, but it can happen. There is hope. So if you're thinking to yourself, "Ah, I had a girl, it was so easy. And now this boy's come along, and like he's four and a half, and it's not happening yet. Okay? It will happen, I promise. Things change. For those of you who are still supporting your 40-year-old, you need a miracle, and I'm praying for you. (laughs) Okay? Another thing that has changed uh, in terms of relationship has to do with trust when my children were babies, they had no option other than to trust me. Then they learned to trust me, sometimes almost with too much trust. And those of you who are parents, you know what I mean, because we make mistakes. Then they went through a period when they actually, in some ways, trusted others more. Those teen years when they thought that their 14-year-old friends were smarter than their parents. Teens, come on. Your friends can work a phone better than your parents. They can work a computer better, but they aren't as equipped to tell you about all the things of life. And especially, we all know this, when it comes to sex. Those of you who are 14, you think your friends know way more about sex than your parents. You are mistaken. That is not true. In every case, I think that's not true. So heed my words here. Listen to your parents. Now I think that my children and I now have a pretty good balance. They trust me, I think, in appropriate ways, um, and they they trust me in the ways they should. And also they understand that there are certain ways that they shouldn't. And so, for example, my sons don't trust me to fill their cavities in their teeth. They don't trust me to take out their appendix if it happens to get infected. And that's good. There are other ways in which they do trust me. Like they trust me to work on the brakes on their car. And I can do that, actually. And that's appropriate. I can change their oil. That's all appropriate. And so relationships change and we have to balance out this idea of how much we're going to trust and those to whom we're going to give our trust. And I'd like to think that over time, these things with my children especially have changed in a positive direction. All the signs are that they indeed have And I think that the relationship that we have with our children continues to grow and to be strong. It's like a a muscle that you work, it, it gets stronger. It doesn't atrophy as long as it continues to be exercised. And so we exercise relationships with our children and in other relationships. And it tends to work. Well, I think that God, in the course of dealing with his children, spent a lot of time exercising relationship and in the process, building trust. But it's interesting the way this sometimes happens. Turn to 2 Samuel 7 if you're not there already. And I want to read some verses here. It says, After the king was settled in his palace, talking about King David, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a place, a palace, sorry, of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. Now that there's some trust going on there. That night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with the tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, "Why have you not built me a house of cedar?" And of course, the answer is no. He didn't say that to anybody. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've cut off your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed." Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. Now, that is an interesting kind of dynamic to this relationship. The first thing that strikes me is that there is a prophet, Nathan, and we know Nathan. Nathan does some good things before God. He sometimes has some great messages for David, but in this case, Nathan appears to be absolutely wrong. And he's a prophet. This is a prophet of God, and he says to, to David, or yeah, to David, "Go ahead and build it. Whatever you want to do, do it. It sounds good to me." Well, if a prophet can be wrong, then I can be wrong. And you can be wrong. Sometimes I jump in and I speak when I shouldn't. There is no indication here that Nathan has prayed. There's no indication that Nathan talked to God about this. David just said, what do you think? I think I should build this temple. And Nathan says, go for it. And then God has to that night in a dream say, what are you doing? I want you to go to David and tell him you're not the one who is going to build this temple. And so Nathan has to be corrected there. Now, I don't know that Nathan was simply forgetting God. I wouldn't think that he was. He thought that he knew God. He thought that he knew God's will at this point. I would think. Like, I wouldn't think that he's just speaking off the top of his head, not caring whether or not God is in line with what his thoughts are. Which tells me, again, that there has to be some working of this relationship. Sometimes we're far too quick to speak for God when some time spent with God could set us on the right path. And the relationship of trust is there. It's not as though Nathan has stopped trusting God or for that matter that God has stopped trusting Nathan. He doesn't take him away, his gift of prophecy, and say, well, you've said this to David, now I can't have you as a prophet anymore. The relationship isn't like that. But he does at least need to work that relationship in a context of trust and allow God to speak to him so that he can continue to speak for God. The second person that's clearly wrong here is David. And in this case, even when David's desire is to do what is right. That's interesting. I've worked for three different churches now. Long Beach, California, Victoria, British Columbia, and Calgary, Alberta. Before every one of those cases where I took the job that I took, each time I said something that would have, I thought, lead me in the direction of not taking that job. Years before I ever went to L.A., I told the Lord, I'm not going to L.A. You can send me anywhere you want, but I'm not going to go to Los Angeles. I won't do ministry there, so don't even try. And of course, that's exactly where I ended up like God made it so clear that that's where we needed to be and it worked out wonderfully after I came back from Victoria when I interviewed there in 1986 I went to Robin and I said I don't think so I just don't think that's really the place for us I'm not sure this is going to work out there's just things there that made me think this is not the job for me well things changed We did end up going there. We spent 15 wonderful years there, and it was a rich blessing to be in Victoria and to do ministry there. It was fantastic. And I'm just so grateful that I didn't just go with my first impulse. Originally, I was not supposed to come, I thought, to Calgary. Originally, I thought I was going to go to Vancouver. I thought I was going to go to Vancouver and plant a church. Didn't expect that I was going to be in Calgary, Alberta. But I'm grateful that God sent me here and that I didn't go with what I thought was the first impulse impulse and sometimes that's just the way our desires are we think we know best and i'm not trying to say well we just need to listen to god better that's part of it but what i really want to say is that in the context of relationship with god things can in fact work out if we continue to trust and if the listening and the conversation that we have with god is constant And with time, God is going to shape and mold our relationship with him and take us where we want to go. And we might first think, oh, this is what I need to do. And God then says, well, you know, let me work on that a bit with you and we're going to do something else. And those kinds of choices, those kinds of decisions have to be worked out again in the context of this relationship. Sometimes, and this is exactly, uh, I think, what happens with David. David thought, I'm going to build a temple for God. This will be like a legacy for me. I can build this house of cedar for the Lord because God doesn't currently have a place where he can dwell. And of course, all of that gets changed. And there's, I think, something that happens in David where God says, you know, if you'll just hold on here for a minute... You think this is supposed to be your role, but I have another role for you, which is, in fact, even greater than the role that you're choosing for yourself. And so don't so quickly go with what you think, but instead let our relationship bring out of you the kind of gifts and, the, and just the, the, the trust and devotion that will allow us to do the things that I want to happen for you, David, and not what you want to see happen. The trust is an interesting thing. Trust and giving ourselves over completely to another is sometimes incredibly difficult, even in the context of relationship. But when it happens, it's wonderful. Chris is going to show a video. We've been working on this this morning. We had some problems. It looks like she may have them fixed. So watch this. I hope you caught what was happening there. The horse is completely blind, able to jump over things, to go up inclines and down, to forge streams. And then you think about the horse galloping along that road at the very beginning. And there's another scene in the video where the horse actually goes around and around and around inside the arena, which, of course, is an oval. That's amazing. And could only happen because of the kind of trust that was developed between horse and rider. That horse is able to put him or or herself completely into the hands of the rider. And... I think that God wants from us that kind of trust. And the beautiful thing, of course, is that He is completely trustworthy. And when we put ourselves in the hands of God like that, we're doing exactly what is needful, what's expected, appropriate, and what ends up being exactly the best thing for us and for the world. Putting ourselves in the hands of God of God. Now, God may not do what we want, but when we trust him, what he wants ends up as our blessing, because he does indeed want to bless us. I want you to look at chapter 7 again. And notice the last look at verse 15. He says, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul. He's talking about how David wants to build this temple, but he, but God says, no, it's going to be your son who's going to build the temple and I'm going to build a relationship with this son of yours. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Now watch what happens after this. Then King David went in, sat down before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? And, and there's a sense in which, no, it's not. But then in the sense in which it is. What more can David say to you, for you know your servant, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you've done this great thing and made it known to your servant. And what you find is a man who is totally giving himself over to God in trust. He knows what he proposed. He knows that he he said, I'm going to build this temple for God. He knows that God has said no. And then he just stands back and says, oh God, I need to just listen to you. You're doing something here. You're doing something with me. And I need to just let you do what you're doing. And at this point, David's attitude becomes one of total devotion and total trust. Who among us today... Who among us today couldn't echo the same kind of words... Like, don't you just want to look at God and say, when you consider all the blessings that he has provided for you, don't you just want to look at God and say, who am I that you have done this for me? And we know that we are no one. We know we are. We know we don't deserve this. But we put ourselves completely in the hands of this one with trust and faith. And God might look back and say, you know what, David, you are no one. You're just a shepherd boy. You don't have anything about you that really has a claim to being what I'm going to make you. But you just keep trusting me. And together we're going to do great things. Despite your weaknesses, ultimately, I want you to trust me. And so God was trustworthy to him. And he will be trustworthy to us. God kept his promise to David ultimately. How? He says, I'm going to make a throne, I'm going to put someone on that throne. There's going to be somebody there forever who's going to rule in your place, David. And so ultimately, you want to build me a temple and I'm going to build you a kingdom. You want to build me a a, a temple made of cedar, which is great wood and it's going to last a long time, but ultimately, I'm going to build for you a kingdom that will last forever and there will always be someone on that throne. I'm going to fulfill that vision, he says. And he can only do that because David trusted and because God is so faithful. And he ends up, of course, giving us Jesus as the fulfillment of that promise. And so God keeps his promises. And we need to constantly say to him, as, as two guys have done at least, David did it and Jesus did it. Both said, not my will but yours be done. And when we can say that to God, God ends up blessing us. I don't know if your relationship with God is changing. I pray that it is. And I pray that as you grow, that the relationship that God has with you, His child, will end up being all that it should be in this trusting loving, mutual relationship of blessing because we continue to give ourselves over completely to him. Let's pray. Holy Father, I pray that you'd bless us today with your word. Help us, Father, to serve and honor you and, and to give ourselves completely to you in a trusting relationship. And we know, God, that you are worthy of that trust. Thank you for blessing David despite his impulsiveness. And take away from us our impulsiveness. Bless us that we might be blessed by you. Through Christ we pray. Amen.